Welcome to the Kayla Ambrose Show. I'm your host and your travel guide to the other side, Kayla Ambrose. Welcome back to another episode of my podcast. If you haven't already, visit my website, exploreyourspirit.com. On there, sign up for my free newsletter where you'll hear about upcoming classes, new books, uh, things I'm writing about, things I'm working on, events and things we could do together, new podcasts coming up, all the news. And if you haven't already, subscribe to this podcast. Thank you so much for listening. Okay, without further ado, let's get into it. Today's episode is, what does it mean to have standards, boundaries, and guidelines? Now, before I start this show, I want to say I'm not a psychologist. I'm a wisdom teacher. I teach teach the ancient wisdom teachings from what was taught in the temples of ancient Greece and Egypt and even further back. That is my main purpose in this lifetime. It's what I write about. It's what I do. Things to do with spiritual exploration. And I believe that there are many paths and one destination. And that's why I started Explore Your Spirit and my school, the Academy of Mystical Arts and Spiritual Sciences, to offer a lot of different types of courses and way to study. And I think we all learn in different ways, taking many paths, but we're all heading to the same destination, trying to understand ourselves on a deeper level, trying to understand the world on a deeper level, trying to figure out what we're here, what's our purpose, and what goes on afterwards when we leave this earth plane. So I like to offer lots of different thoughts and modalities and things to think about so that you can delve a little deeper into these things. And I say it's like a spiritual buffet. Uh, if something sounds interesting, try a bite. See if it works for you right now. If not, just put it back. Keep an open mind. Maybe later it's something that might be interesting to you. But uh, just just try it and see if you, how, how it feels at the moment. So I'm a wisdom teacher, I'm an intuitive coach, and I share things with you from the spiritual perspective. And this is all for soul growth. So I just wanna make that clear that, that when I'm sharing these things, it's coming from a soul wisdom type of teaching. And part of that is my experience as a wisdom teacher. The other part is being an empath, someone who feels the emotions of everyone all the time whether we want to or not, whether that person's speaking or not. If you're an empath, you know what I'm talking about. And if you're not, you want to know Google empaths and see what it's like to feel emotions from everyone all the time. Most empaths are born this way, so they have to learn how to deal with it from a very young age, as I did. And I can't speak for all empaths, but I'll speak for myself. Even though I've spoken about empathic work and what it's like, I did, I spoke at a conference at Edgar Casey's ARE about empaths and some of the positive things of what it means, what we're here to do. When you're an empath, you're usually born with an open heart chakra. So you come from this very loving space. You come from the space of just loving everyone, not wanting to hurt anyone. You can't imagine why someone would say or do something that would hurt another person's feelings. It's so foreign to you, it's almost inconceivable at first that someone would even think to do that. 
So it's a real shock when you're little uh, because it just, it's foreign. It's foreign. Just can't imagine wanting to hurt someone's feelings. Your little heart chakra is wide open. And all you want to do is just enjoy life, enjoy people, enjoy the beauty of everything, and just be in the moment. And so empaths have to learn pretty early <laughs> how to get along in the, on the earth plane because they're in that expansive awareness. And because their little light is shining so bright, it attracts a lot of emotional vampires. It attracts a lot of narcissists. And it attracts some toxic people and toxic situations to them. This is because all of those people I listed are looking to be healed. And they're attracted to the light, just like everyone else is attracted to the light. But they need it even more because they're depleted. Their aura has a lot of cracks in it and their leaky energy. And so they're depleted, so they're looking to find some way to suck up more energy to keep going. And empaths are full of so much light and so much positive energy that it's like, oh yeah, I want some of that. So empaths have to learn how to balance keeping their heart chakra open to be here to do what they're supposed to do, which is to give love and spread joy and light and generosity of spirit. But they have to learn how to do it without taking it all in, meaning everyone else's stuff, everyone else's pain and emotion. And they have to learn not to give it all away. The urge to come in from the heart chakra to want to give everything they have away at the same time. So that's a lot of depletion if you don't know better. And most empaths don't. They're not born with a handbook just explaining. So you'll find a lot of empathic children that are confused when they're young and they may become a little more introverted because they just don't know how to handle all the emotions and the feelings. I've talked about this before. I think I shared in one of my books a story about it that when in large groups as a child, when my family all gathered for a holiday, I would end up getting ill, almost like the flu and uh, stomach issues and all that. And my mother would say, why every Christmas, every holiday, you end up sick, you know, like the flu. And she tucked me into bed. And I didn't understand either. I just knew I was very sick. But as I got older, I started to figure out I was taking on everyone's energy in the house. Our home wasn't that big, and we had family, huge amounts of family there. Extended family, you know, uncles, aunts, cousins, friends of family, everyone just there. And everyone has their stuff going on. And you put all that in a room or a small home, and an empath is just overwhelmed with it. And I would pick up so much of it, as well as being psychic. So I would feel the feelings of what the person was unhappy about. And then psychically, I'd pick up the information of what they were dealing with. You know, who was drinking too much? Who was having trouble with money and not paying their bills? Who was thinking of fooling around? All those things. It was a lot. So you don't have to be an empath or a psychic to deal with these things as well. You could just be open and, and sensitive to feeling all these things with people. Even if you're not that, your feelings matter your thoughts matter, and your way of living matters. And you may find that you've done the work and you've opened your heart, and it's really tough sometimes the way people are treating or mistreating you. 
So what I've identified over the years, as best as I can in my work, is that we have to create three things that help us. And what this does is set a clear intention to the universe, and it puts that intention in our auric field, and then it blasts that energy out to everyone else that says, this is who I am, and this is what I will accept, and this is what I won't accept. And I call those standards, boundaries, and guidelines. So let's talk about that a little bit. What are standards? Well, how I define standards are they're rules that you create for yourself. They can be about morals, values, they're, they're in your career, in your relationships. They have to do with accountability and respect and things you want to master. They're about how you live well, how you do self-care, and what level you give attention and value to things like honesty and trust and the state of mind that you want to live in. An example of a standard that's adopted by a group would be something like uh, in the UK, when the British have all their signs and you hear, keep calm, keep calm and carry on. That's a standard, that's a British standard that people have tried to emulate. A stiff upper lip, as they say, meaning they, they stay calm, they don't panic, they don't uh, over emote, they don't cry a lot, they don't we would say whine, but they would say whinge. They don't complain too much. They keep a stiff upper lip, they keep calm, and, and move forward. That's a standard as a culture that they've created for themselves. We create personal standards for ourselves as well. At least we should. We're not taught this in school, but we really should be. And so anytime you want your life to be better, anytime your life's not working out like you wished it would, if you feel right now that people aren't treating you the way you would like to be treated, they don't have the right respect for you, they're asking too much and not giving back in return, what's going on? Why is that? The answer is, anytime you wanted your life to be better, you have to raise your standards. When you raise your standards, you then have to do the next step, which is you have to hold yourself and others accountable to those standards. So you can't backslide. So if you create standards for yourself and someone asks you a question and now comes the conflict, now comes the moment of truth. You set a standard. You told the person what your standard was and they said, no, I can't give you that, won't give you that, won't do that. If you backslide and say, oh, okay, then you don't have that standard. You can't go backwards. Some standards are goals and some are ways of life. And so you have to ask yourself, do you have standards? And if so, do you have high standards for yourself? Where do you stand? This is in your relationships. This is in your work. This is in all aspects with your children, with your friends, with all rules of engagement. Do you have standards? So... Standards really connect with self-esteem. How your self-esteem is, is pretty in balance with where your standards are. If you don't have strong standards, you're not giving yourself the respect that you deserve. When your standards aren't strong, you can be what's called a pushover. 
you don't have a lot of self-confidence. Uh, you'll usually procrastinate a lot because you haven't created standards for yourself. You'll be disorganized. You're not living up to who you could be because you're not really pushing yourself to grow. You're tolerating things that you don't want to, but you can't find the energy or the confidence to believe in yourself and want and expect more. Versus when people have positive high standards for themselves, they believe in themselves. And so they have a lot of good self-esteem and respect. They believe that they're going to succeed in what they're going to do. And they understand that they have to accept the best from themselves and for others. And the only way to do this is to create a standard and to live by it. So when you have high standards, you're willing to grow. You're willing to stretch outside your comfort zones. You're willing to push. You know your worth and you're willing to stand up for it. That doesn't mean you get in a defensive place where you're trying to, to prove from a negative space. It means you're in a positive space where you know, these are my standards. This is what I'm worth. This is my value. Many years ago, in my 20s, I decided that I was going to create some standards for myself in a relationship. I was not pleased with the way my former relationships had been, and I realized this lesson that I needed to create standards. I had started to learn to do this as an empath with people that I just engaged with in friendships or clients, people I worked with, but I hadn't yet done this for my relationships partially because my heart chakra was so open and partially I was still healing things from experiences where I wanted to be loved so much that I was willing to lower my standards in order to receive love. And I got to the point where I realized I needed to love myself more. And until I could truly love me, I really couldn't attract a great relationship for someone else to love me. That it had to start with me. So I did a lot of work on myself and fell back in love with myself and began to love all the parts of me. And as I did, I raised my standards and I ended up writing a list down of what a person who would come into my life as a partner, what that man would look like, what would he see in me, what my standards were, what I wanted and what his standards would be. And I began to live by those standards and hold true to them. Even when things got tough, even when things were scary, even when I felt lonely, I didn't backtrack. I held to the standards. And one day I met that man. And the funny thing is, he told me, not too long after we were dating, he called me high maintenance. And I kind of laughed and I said, okay, well, tell me what that means for you because that can be kind of a negative term. So what does that mean? And he said, he said, I don't mean it that way. I think it's a funny way to say it. He said, but when I met you, I knew you were going to be high maintenance. And I told my friends that night, I said, that's a high maintenance girl. I have to think about if I want to go out with her. And what he said, what I mean by that is I knew you had high standards for yourself and for others. The way you looked, the way you dressed, the way you carried yourself, the way you spoke, the way others reacted to you, I knew you had high standards. And he said, so I had to think about myself and say, was I ready to raise myself and level up 
to where your standards were? Did I want that for myself? Did I want to raise my standards and grow as well? He said, I could feel the energy between us, but I knew if I was going to attract you and to keep you attracted in my life, that I would have to raise my standards and grow with you. And he said, I decided to do that. And that's why I decided to pursue you. It intrigued me. And I love this so much to hear that me doing the work on myself had raised my energy where others could feel this. They could feel my new standards and were reacting to it, whether or not they wanted to be in my life. That's a beautiful way to start a relationship where both parties realize that and want to grow. And that's very important in life is to find someone who's willing to grow, not looking for status quo. I learned this in my mid to late 20s, and I'm forever thankful that I did. But I still had more to learn. I had gotten it right about loving myself and setting those standards for relationships and went on to have a very happy marriage. And I say to have only because now I'm a widow and no longer have this beautiful man in my life. But it it was a beautiful, amazing experience why I had it. But as an empath, I still struggled with this big open heart wanting to give to everyone. I had what I'll call the poor little shivering puppy syndrome. Every person that came to me for help in any way, I wanted to do everything for. And I wanted to help in any way I could. What I did to understand at the time is that I also needed to establish boundaries. So what are boundaries? Well, how I define boundaries are when and where to say no, when and where to say enough, when and where to establish some limits, some time limits. Funny enough, I knew about boundaries because of all my work seeing the aura. And so I knew when an aura had a good boundary. The aura is the energy body around you. It holds in all the layers of your physical, mental, emotional, and spiritual layers. And in the aura, you can have a healthy aura, which is balanced, and it flows, it moves, it expands and contracts. Or you can have what's called a brittle aura. That's when it's too rigid. It gets like a wall. It gets very tough, and nothing goes in and out. It doesn't let anything good in, and it doesn't let anything out either. And so it gets very rigid and tough until it finally starts to crack and break apart and become very brittle. Or you can have what's called a spongy aura, and that's when it's too porous. The aura is so full of emotion, crying, sadness, overwhelming emotion, that it's like a sponge, a heavy sponge that's porous and keeps absorbing that energy and just gets really heavy and weighted down and can't really hold its leaking uh, and it can't really hold or bring in any new energy. So I'd always seen this in the aura that not all the boundaries are the same. For example, I, I talk about seeing an aura of a scientist a lot. And that's because when you look at the layers of the aura, there's each layer a lot of times is very similar in size. And so the physical layer, you'll see what's going on. And then I'm looking at the mental layer, see what's going on there. There's different colors in every layer, different energy and things going on. I look at them emotional layer uh, onto the spiritual. And most times in most people, they're pretty well balanced. 
unless something big, big is going on. And if so, maybe one area is much more pronounced. If there's a major health issue, you may see the physical layer much bigger. If there's if they're very upset about something, the emotional layer might be a bit bigger. But in certain people, you can see a, a drastic difference. And a, one to, a lot of these are sometimes with scientists, like a research science uh, person, because their mental aura will be very big and very open. And it's open to receive, meaning that they actually have an open mind. They're researching, so they're looking for data. So their mental field is very wide open. They're looking to have conversations with other research scientists, others in the field. They're looking to read, they're looking to research. They want data, data, data. Huge mental field, open, ready to receive. And that's very good when you see that. That's someone that's on the right track. They're looking for input from others. They're gonna grow from it. But yet in these same scientists that I'll see that have these big, open, healthy, mental auric fields, their emotional layer is tiny and it's rigid and it's so closed and they're not open at all emotionally or to even understanding things emotionally. And so they're having tremendous difficulty in their relationships. They're not able to emote a lot emotionally to their partners if they have one. And they're not open to feeling things very well emotionally either, to even feel and understand what's going on with their partner or their children or anyone in their life. They're not able to read the room, as we say, to pick up anything intuitively because this layer is so closed, there's no way anything could get in, much less anything of a higher vibration like intuition to even uh, to feel what's going on. And so this is why many of them can be socially awkward because they're, they don't allow any space in their emotional layer to develop and grow what we would call emotional intelligence. They've closed us down so much and, and have put such a lesser value on it that there's, there's no room. And so they're very out of balance, uh, and it's, but it's very difficult to get them to see that. Sometimes this has been formed by past experiences that happened with them, and so they're, they're scared to open up and be vulnerable. Uh, sometimes it's just because they're just so hyper-focused on data that they can see that they discredit and don't understand, don't have the emotional intelligence to really understand why it's important to have this other as well. So with boundaries, this is where we begin to establish these, just like the aura establishes these boundaries. And so all of us have different physical, emotional, mental, and spiritual boundaries. And it's different for each of us. Some we're comfortable in, some we're afraid of and we close down, and some have been static. We haven't done as much with them in a long time. And so what's important with boundaries is you learn in boundaries, you identify what you like and what you dislike. And so you're setting a comfortable space for yourself. Here's what I like. Here's what feels good. And this is important because this is where you create respect and your identity and you learn how to communicate. And it's very, it's very important. But it's not just about being comfortable. And this is what I feel that people are misunderstanding right now. There's a lot of talk about being comfortable setting boundaries and saying, this is my boundary, don't cross it. 
And when you're first learning to set your boundaries, that's good advice because you don't even know yet fully where you're comfortable. So you have to start somewhere and you have to build that base. And that's wonderful. And what happens then is you do that, you're working through your fears and you're listing your fears and saying, I, I'm not comfortable with this. Maybe you're not comfortable with physical touch for some reason. Maybe you're not comfortable with certain expressions of emotion, things like that, whatever may have happened to you and some that may have just been the way your personality came back in this lifetime. And so what I feel the disservice is, is that people have been told it's good to establish boundaries, but they've been left there. And I think you're supposed to push past that. Get comfortable first, identify the fears so that you can work on them, and then start learning. Why do I have these fears? Where did they come from? Why am I uncomfortable with this? Why do I feel this way about this? Why do I like or dislike this? Is this still serving me well? Or is this keeping me in a place where I'm not growing and I'm not learning and I'm just staying in the fear and I found a new way, a new tactic to keep me safe? And this right now I see a lot of where people are able to identify and state their boundaries or and what they want, but then they stay stuck there. And the goal to me is to learn and face your fears and then to grow, to evolve, to push, to make changes. Because we are not here to play it safe. We are not here to be static. The only constant in life is change. And we're supposed to be changing and growing and evolving on a daily basis. So find your boundaries, find your comfort zone, but then resolve to move past them in a way that's right for you and at a time that's right for you. And if you do this at the same time, that you also set, set higher standards for yourself, your boundaries are naturally going to change as well. Because setting those higher standards, you're going to rise above and want to do even bigger things. And your self-confidence self is gonna grow. And as that grows, your boundaries need to expand because you're naturally going to attract more and be more and want more. So what's helpful to do this to help you raise your standards and open your boundaries? That's the third part, which are your guidelines. And guidelines are things that you learn to look for because to do all of this, you need to be vulnerable. You need to be vulnerable with yourself. You need to be vulnerable and open to having feelings, knowing that cannot feel good sometimes. You need to be vulnerable letting other people in and knowing that they're human. And as humans, we can all disappoint each other sometimes. So you establish kind of a baseline of guidelines to let you know if you're getting closer or further away. And you can follow these guidelines as a measurement to kind of see where you're going. So things you might look for with other people. One is give and take. Are you just giving all the time and someone else is taking? That's not balance. That's not going to, to help you there. Are you a good listener? And if so, the people you listen to, are they listening back well? Are you being honest? Is honesty important to you? And are you requiring that back from the people in your life? 
Same with trust. Are you being trustworthy? And can you really build trust with others? Are they giving it back? And these are not meant as, uh, what's that old saying, tit for tat, where you're checking it off. Ha ha, on Thursday I caught you doing this, therefore you're not worthy. It's understanding that we're human. Some things you're going to do better than others. You might be really good at some of these things where someone else in your life is learning. The difference is, do you have open dialogue? Do you have communication? Can you talk about it with these other people or person in your life and say, this affected me this way? And can that person agree to work on it more and, and resolve uh, to pay attention and to get better with it? It's not a yes or no checklist. It's setting guidelines where you're trying to grow together and to move together. It's having that emotional connection and that emotional intelligence and conversation. There has to be an agreement, usually with guidelines, that you do want to grow together, that both parties see the value in that, not staying as they are, and that they both know they'll evolve and change, whether it's a group of people on a bigger level or two individuals. You have to be mature enough to be able to disagree and then to apologize and to move forward and to be willing to offer each other help, compassion, and sympathy while going through these things. As an empath, I still had that work to do because I would give away everything, all of my time until I was like a rag doll on the floor, <laughs> fully depleted, had given everything I had. And I wouldn't say no. I'd be like, let me help till I just possibly physically can't do it at that point. And then that was not serving me well or others. And then I would want to give everything away too that I created. And that did not serve me well as either because I'm still a human that has to pay my bills and afford to live and make ends meet and all of that as well. So I had a very hard listen, you know, learning there, lessons to learn so that I could learn to exist on the earth plane while the rest of me really lives in the spiritual plane in that place of love and just wanting to give. It's a very challenging place to stay in both to stay in that open heart chakra and in the higher spiritual realms, just wanting to be in that energy and, but having to stay grounded here on earth and to do with those other things that must be done. And so the best way I found, and it seems to work for, with all the students I share it with and clients is you begin by setting your standards. And then once you have these standards, you create your boundaries knowing that those boundaries are going to change and they should change quite often. And if you study with me, we're going to look at those and we're going to see how they're opening up every six months to every year. And are you expanding and growing those boundaries? And then we look at your guidelines and how to, how to get there with the guidelines. Are the guidelines helping you establish that baseline? Guidelines are like a roadmap of how to get there how to get to your standards that are going to continue to evolve and your boundaries, which are going to continue to open. If you're looking for an example of that, of what I mean, let's say you want new friendships in your life and maybe you've watched the TV show, The Golden Girls, and you love those 
group of four women that are friends and how they're there for each other and how communal they are, how they share. They all retain their independence and their personalities. They don't change them, themselves to fit in with each other. They're very strong, independent women with different personalities and different um, thoughts on everything from relationships to dating to careers. Very different and unique. But they all respect each other and they give each other space from allowing Rose to tell her long-winded wild stories to <laughs> hearing Sophia's bits of wisdom on and on with, with uh, each of them and their personalities and what they share. You would call Golden Girls the standard. This is the standard of friendships I'd like to create, those that are similar to Golden Girls. And so then you would establish guidelines from what you saw, how the Golden Girls get there and keep their relationships, how they apologize, how many times they won't go to sleep at night because they're upset about their friend or hurt or worried and wondering if their friend is okay or what they can do, how they're always there for each other. And those begin to be your guidelines of this is what I'll do to be a good friend and this is the expectations I'll have, the guidelines of how to create these standards. That's just one tiny example. You could set standards like this and guidelines for any type of thing like that that you see that would give you kind of a clearer vision. And then you begin to set the, that vision. And over time, it grows in your aura what your standards are. And then you attract those type of people into your life. And you will get tested. It'll take a while. It'll be challenging. You'll have other people that come in that want it, are attracted to it, and they aren't just ready yet. And that's okay because they will observe you and observe your standards, and it helps them for the future for when they're ready. They can say, I know what that felt like, and that's what I want, how I want to be, and when the time's right for them, they may go do that. But in the meantime, you're working on you, and you're setting your standards. Again, the strongest part with that is setting the standards and agreeing to live by them. And so that means if someone challenges your standards, you can't lower them for that experience or that person. You have to keep your standards at the level that you have them and continue to raise them. Okay, I went way over today talking with this. So I'm going to close for now. But I hope this was helpful and get you thinking about those things and what it's like in your life right now. Where are you with your standards and boundaries and guidelines? And is there something you might want to change? I felt that it was a real necessary topic to bring up right now because the world is changing so quickly. What used to take decades for us to work through now can take days. It's really amazing how quickly time is changing and how much we're being forced to change in every facet of our life right now. This is why so many people are leaving their careers or relationships or redefining who and what they are because all of the standards are being, I don't even think changed is the word. I don't even know. Um, evolving, shifting, moving around. And so it's time for all of us to take a look at this and level up to where we want to go next. So as always, I'd love to hear from you if you do this work and hopefully I'll see you soon.
back here listening to a podcast in one of my classes, uh, having a session with me, wishing you all the best.